Welcome to the Word of Life Bible Study Podcast, a work of the Southwest Church of Christ in Austin, Texas. We invite you to open your Bibles and follow along with us as we study God's Word together. Hello and welcome to the Word of Life Bible Study Podcast, a work of the Southwest Church of Christ in Austin, Texas. My name is Cody Westbrook and I'm the preacher for the Southwest Congregation. Today we want to spend just a few moments looking at some passages of Scripture that describe one of the most beautiful and wondrous themes in all of God's Word, and that is the theme of grace. We read so much about the grace of God, and we hear so much about the grace of God in our world. In our religious world, we hear people talk about grace all the time, even perhaps in daily conversation as we're interacting with our friends or our co-workers or family members. We may hear individuals talk about the grace of God and about the impact that the grace of God has had in their lives, but unfortunately, sometimes our understanding of God's grace is not not right, and what the denominational world teaches about God's grace is not right. So we want to turn our attention to the Word of God this morning and look at just a few passages of Scripture We're not going to completely deal with this subject uh, in its totality, but we'll deal with just a few points and look at a few passages that will help us to have a better idea of what the grace of God is all about, and particularly the grace of Christ. I want us to begin in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 1, and I want us to look uh, at this famous context, well-known context from the Apostle Paul, beginning in verse number 12 where Paul begins to talk about uh, his former life and his conversion and the reason why he was converted. Notice that Paul says in 1 Timothy 1 verse 12, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Howbeit for this reason I obtain mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show all longsuffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. Now, there are so many wonderful things to unpack in these verses, but we're only concerned in this study with what we notice in verse number 14. As Paul describes being the chief of sinners, as he describes being a persecutor and one who caused injury and harm to the church of our Lord, in the midst of all of this, he makes this statement. He says, the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant. This idea of being exceedingly abundant It means literally to superabound, to overflow. The best picture that I know to describe this by way of an illustration is to think of a cup or a bucket maybe that is full of water and the water is just overflowing. It's spilling over the sides of the cup or the bucket because it's so full. Paul says God's grace overflowed. It superabounded toward me. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 1. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9, Paul says this, "...who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began." 
And then the same book, chapter 2 and verse 1, he says, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. You see, what Paul is now describing to us is the fact that this grace of God that we're talking about, that, uh, that grace that saved Paul, that that grace is a result or a reality, I should say, because of Christ Jesus. Think about this passage in the book of Titus, chapter 2, beginning in verse 9. Titus, chapter 2, excuse me, beginning in verse number 11. This is what Paul says. He says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearance of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So now Paul says, The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. But what is he talking about when he says, The grace of God that brings salvation? Well, we turn our attention to John chapter 1. And we read in John chapter 1 about the coming of Jesus into the world. And this is what John writes in John chapter 1, beginning in verse 14. He says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of Him and cried out, saying, This was He of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness we all have received, uh, we have all received, and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. Now we key in on verse number 17. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth through Jesus Christ. And also, verse number 14, full of grace and truth. And verse number 16, and of his fullness, we have all received in grace for grace. Now, God is not trying to tell us in these passages that grace did not exist before Jesus. That's not what he's saying. What he is saying is that the full measure, the ultimate expression, if you will, of the grace of God came in the person of Jesus Christ. So when Paul says in Titus 1 verse number 11, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, he's talking about the coming of Jesus Christ into the world and his work on the, uh, his ministry and his death on the cross, his work that makes salvation for all people possible. So how is it that Paul, according to 1 Timothy 1.14 and 2 Timothy 1.9, how is it that he is able to be saved by the grace of God? It is simply because God offered his son Jesus on the cross as a sacrifice for sin. The ultimate expression of God's grace, grace being God giving that which we do not deserve, is the offering and the sacrifice of Christ on the cross of Calvary. But notice that Paul says that this superabounding grace of God, that wasn't just for him, but rather that's for all people. Notice back in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 16, which we read a few moments ago, that the apostle Paul said, Howbeit for this reason I obtain mercy, that in me first Christ Jesus might show uh, all long suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him uh, unto everlasting life. In other words, Paul is saying, Listen, I am an example 
Christ the Lord had grace and mercy toward me, and the idea is that people in future generations can look to me and say, if God can save Paul, then God can save me. Same thing in Titus 2, verse number 11. The grace of God has appeared to, that brings salvation has appeared to all men. And we read the same in Romans 5, 15 and 20 and Hebrews 2, 9 and a number of other passages. So you and I, when we obey the gospel of Christ and we're cleansed of our sins and we're saved, that's a result of the grace of God that is seen in Jesus Christ and in the opportunity that God has given us in order to obey the gospel and to have our sins washed away. Now, what should our response to this grace be? That's an important question. Too often in the religious world, people look at grace as, as sort of a, oh, a fire blanket of sorts. In other words, it's like an emergency measure. We do whatever we want, and God will throw grace on us and put the fire out like a fire blanket. But that's not really what it's all about. Grace demands a response. Grace demands action on our part. Well, what are some of the things that Paul says or that the Bible says? Well, first of all, go back to the verse we read a little while ago in Titus chapter 2 and notice now what Paul says in verses 12 and 13. He says that the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. That's verse number 11, but what does he say in verse 12? He says that it teaches us that we should deny ungodliness and worldly lust and live soberly and righteously and godly in this present age. In short, that's describing faithful Christian living. That's a response to the grace of God. He then says in verse 13, looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's talking about living in anticipation of the second coming of the Lord. That's a response to the grace of God. But there are other passages. Look at 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. We're talking about responses to God's grace. What does he say in 2 Peter 3, 18? He says, grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So not only does God want me to live a faithful Christian life and live in anticipation of the second coming of the Lord, but he wants me to grow. He wants me to spiritually grow as a recipient of God's grace. Look at 1 Peter chapter 4. In 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse number 10, Peter says, As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Now the Bible tells us that we're to be good stewards of God's grace. And a steward is one who is basically a manager, someone who has been entrusted with something that is not his own and has the responsibility to use what he's been given in a way that is right and that glorifies the one who gave it. So the Apostle Peter says we must be good stewards of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. We must be good stewards of the grace of God. What about Colossians 4 verse 6? Paul says this in Colossians 4, verse 6. He says, uh, Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer every man. That means that the way that I speak needs to be a representation of the grace of God and that I need to extend grace to others. In Ephesians chapter 4, and verse number 29, he says the same thing. He says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. So I need to grow in grace. I need to be a good steward of grace. I need to speak with grace. 
but I also need to preach the Word of God and evangelize and tell others about this gospel of the grace of God. In Romans chapter 1, verse 5, Paul says, Through him we've received grace and apostleship for the obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. In Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 8, again speaking of the grace of God, Paul says, To me, who am less than the least of all saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. You see, Paul viewed his ability to be a gospel preacher and an apostle, he viewed that as a direct result of God's graciousness toward him. We ought to as well. When we think about the salvation that is ours in Christ Jesus and the grace of our God that has made it possible, then we as well ought to desire to preach and teach God's word and to tell others about the gospel of God's grace. Then there's 2 Corinthians chapter 8. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7 to 9, Paul uses or describes rather the grace of God, and he tells us that we need to be generous because of the grace of God. He says, But as you abound in everything, in faith and speech and in knowledge and in all diligence and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. I speak not by, by commandment, but I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others, for you know that Grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty may be made rich. You see, in the context, Paul is talking about a uh, collection for needy saints that uh, he was taking up. And these brethren in uh, Corinth evidently had pledged to take part in that, and they hadn't fulfilled, they hadn't fulfilled their end. They hadn't done what they said they'd do. So Paul is urging them in verse number 7 when he says abound in this grace also. The grace he's talking about is their generosity, their giving uh, to this need that the church had. And you'll notice that he uses Jesus as a motivation. Verse number 9, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty may be made rich. A beautiful passage and one again that reminds us of a basic definition of grace that it is being given that which we do not deserve. Paul says Jesus was rich, but he became poor so he could give us wealth. We didn't deserve the wealth, but he gave it to us anyway. That's grace. So when we think about the grace of God, these are some things that we need to keep in mind. That God's grace superabounds, that the ultimate expression of God's grace is in the offering of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary, but that the grace of God requires a response. It requires faithful Christian living. It requires living in anticipation of the second coming of the Lord. It requires spiritual growth. It requires being a good steward. It requires speaking with grace. It, it requires preaching and teaching others about the gospel of grace. And it even requires giving and being generous. These are just a few passages and a few points that are worthy of our attention as we think about the grace of God. That brings our study to a close, and we thank you for listening to this episode of the Word of Life Bible Study Podcast, and we hope that you will join us for future episodes of this podcast as we continue to open up God's Word and study more of the wonderful Word of Life. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Word of Life Bible Study Podcast. Please visit our website at swcofc.org for more information about the Southwest Church of Christ. And if you're in the Austin area, please come and visit with us. Thank you for listening, and please join us again as we open up our Bibles and study more of the wonderful Word of Life.